0: Good Good evening. Opportunity to be in your house, and the privilege that that is, as we're learn about tonight, being a, your child, and you as our heavenly father. And for those of us as parents, if we can relate to that in a lot of ways, I a that blessing tonight to be with me, just. Uh, out of the way and let your words speak as it's uh, open this evening and it would just be a lesson and a challenge. Um, it's gonna stay focused on on the lesson and we can uh, all glean something. Else. So the, the text verses of Galatians four, five through seven, I'll go ahead and read those. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, cried Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The sweetest relationship we have with God is that he's our father, and we're his children. Of course, there's a lot of different relationships in that. That we have with God, I think a master servant or teacher, uh, Lord um, servant, uh, teacher, that kind of thing, student, that kind of thing. Um, but perhaps the sweetest one is the idea of, that God is our Father and we as His children. Children are very precious, as we all know, and the relationship with their parents is one of the, is one of sacrificial and unending love. Well, this should be. And God's love and protection of his children is also unending and of infinite importance. Somewhere in the salutation of nearly all of Paul's epistles, he mentions God our Father in there somewhere, usually. No matter what may have been the main subject of that letter, he wanted the believers to know, first of all, that God was and living in the life of that close relationship with the Lord allows everything else to then fall into place. And we should strive to be the right kind of children in order to be the fulfillable Christian that God wants us to be. So some objectives uh, in the lesson tonight. First off, we'll talk about how do you become a child of God. That kind of starts there. Then understanding the benefits of being a child of God. And then to commit ourselves to be obedient and faithful to our heavenly Father. So let's jump in here. Um, again, we kind of already talked about the text verse and the introduction there. That uh, the relationship, is a pretty sweet one uh, between God um, and our Father and us as His children. That so there's nothing we wouldn't do for our children. No sacrifice is too great. Their joy is our joy. Their pain is our pain. And yet. We can't even touch the loving care and concern that God has for, for his children because his love is far greater than ours. God considers children one of his richest blessings. You know, the Psalm 127 3, I think that's the, the first one the sheet there. Little children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. In Old Testament days, one of the greatest blessings for a man was to have many children and descendants. God promised Abram, whose name he changed to Abraham, that he'd make of him a great nation. The name Abraham actually means father of nations. God told Abraham, Genesis 17, verse 6, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And of the Bible's many genealogies, the most important one is. Of the ones about Christ and Matthew and Luke there. Have you ever considered what a miracle it is that an unbroken line of sons should continue for so many centuries through captivities and um, persecutions and all kinds of different things like that? Consider, for example, that today, a mere 200 years after the birth of Abraham Lincoln, he has no direct descendants that live today. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. There's no direct descendants today. It was extremely vital for a Jew to be able to trace his lineage. And it was an, an established lineage, was, of course, a matter of legality, as well as spam the pride of where you came from. The Apostle John expressed his high regard for a man named Gaius, or Gaia, who seems to have been one of his converts third job. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And the apostle John had lived a long and prosperous life for the Lord, and I found that his greatest happiness was when his spiritual children lived in obedience to the Lord, God's word. We can make our heavenly Father happy and give him joy when we walk in his truth and live our lives in obedience to it. So let's look at some blessings and, but was at both our blessings and our responsibilities as a child of oh, God. So, point number one is something God's child should be. Becoming, becoming a child of God. Now, so in John 3, a Pharisee named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night an and asked him that question the idea of how to become a child of God. Nicodemus knew that Jesus was a teacher from God because nobody could have done miracles. So Jesus did course, we're familiar with that, with the passage. And of course, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man to be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. And we become a child of our parents through a physical birth. We become a child of God through a spiritual birth. And by receiving God's gift of salvation, we are. Born again, which is that the second birth, in God's family. Yeah, to be born again, there's uh, some things there. That's the understanding of sin and what it what it is that separates us from God, how we have a problem that we need help with, of course. And then Christ enters into the picture at that point of understanding Him and what He did for us and then trusting Him for that, uh, taking care of ourselves. Ourselves. Yeah, that's not new. I mean, anyway, so um, some point A, along those lines, God wants person E to be His child. God wants everyone to be His child. God wants every single human being to be His child. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him. Jesus left no. nobody out when he died on the cross. The invitation for salvation is open to all of us. So it's in there, Corinthians 5:15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not transport live them unto themselves, but unto the him which died for them and rose again. That is that, and that he, he died for all. Romans 10:13. For for he so ever shall call by the name of the Lord shall be saved. So ever, in their God's will is that all people receive his gift of eternal life and become his children. Of course, many people reject that. And that's been made to everyone. The Bible says, uh, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, John 1.12. In Revelation, of course, the last book on our Bible, we see his final invitation that's given there. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst, come. And here it is again, Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Herod, a family member. Now once we've accepted his gift of eternal life, we enter into then that father child relationship with him. Many people wonder if this relationship can be broken by sin. You know, can someone who's genuinely accepted Christ lose his salvation? And the illustration here of a parent-child relationship can kind of help us understand you know, the eternal eternal security is what that term often can be called. It's interesting, but so so think about some things with this. You now, first, the parent-child relationship is a blood relationship fellowship can be broken, but a blood relationship can't be undone. A child can cease to get along with his parents, but nothing and no one can change that blood relationship. You will always be your parent's child, no matter how old you are, where you go, or what you do. And of course, accepting Christ places us in a blood relationship with him because he shed his blood for our sins on the cross and then when we receive him and become his child that blood covers our sins before god second 1st uh, 1 peter 1:18 to 19 precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we have a blood relationship with God through Christ the Son. Our fellowship with God can be broken by sin, but our relationship with God can never be broken. Another reason we know that this can't be broken is that we're born into the family when we're born again. A child can never become unborn. Neither can we undo our spiritual birth. There's also an interesting point here. Those who feel that sin could cause them to lose their relationship as a child of God should remember how they became a child of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast to put it simply we didn't get saved by being good so we can't stay saved by being good the Galatians questioned Paul with this issue and he answered them very emphatically and this is in Galatians 3 1 to 3 he says "O foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? No one can take your status as a child of your parents away from you. And no one can take your salvation and your status as a child of God away from you either. John 10:27 to 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So what does happen? When a child of God commits sin. Now we know that even as children of God we will continue to do things that displease him. First John one, eight and ten. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. When a Christian sins, fellowship with God is broken, because God will not tolerate sin. And then what happens next is very similar to what a wise parent does when his child disobeys. When your child displeases you, does he cease to be your child? No. You set appropriate consequences for the misbehavior. You punish the transgression. But you do not stop loving your child, and you don't stop being that child's parent. Hebrews 12, 6. And every and chasten has the idea of to correct by punishment or reproof we kind of heard a little bit about this um, this morning in Sunday school you know, scourge is a more serious term you know, to inflict severe suffering you know, vengeance or punishment you know, God will do whatever is necessary to correct our behavior but he always corrects us with a view toward restoring us back toward fellowship with him he disciplines us because he loves us So point number two, we had um, like becoming God's child, and now this starts with a B as well, something of being God's child. It's that idea, but a different. Benefits, benefits. yep. Benefits of being God's child. No inherent in the hiring process of a company is the matter of benefits. You know, insurance, paid holidays, paid vacation days, all kinds of stuff um, are all things that are in like a benefits Package, Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen. Interesting verse here. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. See the child of God receives an incredible benefits package. So let's look at some of them. First one is subpoint A. Two words. With, first one starts with an F. Second one starts with an N. Might be a harder one to guess. If I give you one word, it's going to give it away. How about the second word? Second word is name. Family, name. family name. When a child is born, he takes the special first name that is given to him and he takes the last name of the family. His last name identifies him, and he carries that with him. Children with older brothers and sisters often learn the weight of a family name on their first day of school. Teachers easily form an impression of a child even before getting to know him based on the impression that an older sibling left with them of of that name. Sometimes that's helpful, and sometimes it's not. As a child of God, we carry the name Christian. So where did that come from, and what does it mean? Now, in Acts 11.26, the Bible says that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The name Christian means a follower of Christ. Very simple. The Bible doesn't specifically say who gave them this name or why. Many believe that the name Christian was intended to be a mockery at first, But regardless of that origin, it certainly became a name that the disciples of Christ were proud to bear, a name that distinctly marked them as having been with Jesus. Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Do you remember that the face of Moses was glowing when he came down? out of the mountain after having been there for 40 days, along with God there in uh, Exodus 34. There is, or ought to be, something special about the people of God that's noticeable and noteworthy to those who do not know God. Can others look at us and say, they're followers of Christ? Subpoint point B, not only do we have family name, but we have, it starts with an I. As children of God, we have a family name of which we should be proud of, and also we have an inheritance. Paul mentions our inheritance as children of God several times here in Ephesians 1, 11 to 18. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh. It should be Ephesians 1, 11, 18. Is not in the book? Okay. Nope. I'll read that one. Ephesians 1, 11 to eighteen. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, Romans eight, sixteen to eighteen. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, so be that we suffer with him we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. As children of God, we're heirs, and we have an inheritance, something from God that will in the future be ours. And what is that? Um, the verse in 1 Corinthians two nine, of course, you know that's often talks about a... Uh, like in heaven there, but definitely the principles there. Of course, the eye hath, eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But there are some things that we can say about this future state. First Peter one four. To, <clears throat> to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Our inheritance is incorruptible. That is, it can't decay or deteriorate. It's imperishable. Unlike everything on he- this earth which decays, our inheritance is perfect and will stay perfect. It's also undefiled, unsoiled, perfectly clean, uncontaminated, unspotted, untainted. On this earth, there's no such thing as perfectly clean. It's kind of interesting thought. There's only an acceptable level of contamination. Kind of interesting if you think about it. There's never anything that's perfectly clean. But our inheritance is undefiled. Then third, our inheritance doesn't fade away. It never changes. It never grows old, and it never loses its freshness. And then the fourth thing from that verse, reserved in heaven for us. We can rest assured that God is taking good care of the things that He has for us in the future. We can also rest assured that no matter what we imagine beforehand, the reality is going to be even better of what it is. So, subpoint C, short word, starts with an H. This is benefits home. As the average American lifespan is lengthening, so it's now between 75 and 80 years, we're seeing a growing need for assisted living and long-term care facilities. Now, ideally, children care for their parents themselves, but realistically, that's not always possible. So, let's read what God said about God. Let's, let's read what Jesus said about God's long-term care facility for his children. John 142 2-3. In my father's house, Also. Jesus has been preparing this long-term care facility for a long time. And now he's waiting there to welcome us when our time comes. The Thessalonians had questions, as many people do, about loved ones who had died. And Paul gave them this assurance here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. <clears throat> but I would not have you to be ignorant. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. and so shall we all be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. One day soon, Jesus will return for us in what we call the rapture. And those Christians who have already died will rise first, and the rest of us will meet him in the air. And then when we finally reach heaven, we'll truly be home. So the last sub-point here um, starts with a P. Again, benefits of being God's child starts with a P. A little longer word here has the idea of this is something your daddy always did for you. Protection. Yep, protection. God takes good care of His children, and we are assured of His protection, and nothing can happen to us without his permission god has given many examples of his watch care over his children think of job there came a point in job's life when it seemed that his life was a complete mix of tragedies satan challenged god to lift his protection from job he accused job of disloyalty and said that without god's blessings job would curse god God allowed Satan to take away Job's servants, his flocks, his herds, and even his own children. But God refused to allow Satan to touch Job himself. Later on, God allowed Satan to take Job's health, but he refused to allow him to take his life. Through Job's life, we learn the greatness of God's protection. Even Satan can only go as far against God's children as God will allow. God protects his children. Think of the Israelites at the Red Sea. In Exodus 14, the Israelites are in camp at the shore of the Red Sea. And through ten plagues, God had delivered them, of course, from Egypt. And shortly after their release, no fear changed his mind and began pursuing them with his armies. And then again, got the Red Sea in front of them. you got mountains around them. The Egyptians are behind them. They're trapped. You can, of course, we know... They kind of panicked at this point. But Moses told them, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. The Lord shall fight for you. It's kind of interesting, this next statement. And ye shall hold your peace. Kind of an interesting statement. And you'll be quiet. Of course, we know God took the pillar of cloud that he used to lead the Israelites and placed it between the Israelites and the Egyptians, that night. And behind that screen, of course, God parted the waters of the Red Sea. The Israelites began to cross on the dry ground, and then as soon as the Egyptians could see what was going on, they pursued after them. And then once the Israelites were on the far shore, God released the waters, and the Egyptians were drowned. God protected his children. Think of the Jews in the book of Esther. The king of Ahasuerus. So the book of Esther is the only book in the Bible that does not contain the word God. Yet God's hand of protection is so evident in that 10 chapter book. God arranged events so that a young Jewish lady named Esther would become the queen at the same time that Haman was plotting to exterminate the Jews. And God gave her the courage to reveal his plot to the king and then intercede for the lives of her people. And then once again, God protected his children. Think of Elisha in 2 Kings 6. The king of Syria had sent an army to capture Elisha because he was tired of having his plans figured out. Um, like, of course, he called his servants and said, you go tell me who, which one of you is for the king of Israel?" Because they always know where we're going. And then one of, them of course, said, "It's actually Elisha." He tells you, he tells the king what you say in your bedroom, basically. So then he sent an army to find him, and they located him where Elisha was at the time, and they surrounded the city at night. Um, 2 Kings 6, 15-17, And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. God's protection surrounds us, and most of the time we don't even realize it. Even today, we see the protecting hand of God on Israel as it's surrounded by hostile neighbors. God continues to protect his children. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, that uh, classic passage there. And God surely protects what he loves. We protect what we love, don't we? God protects what he loves. Point three. We saw how to become a child of God. We saw about the benefits of a child of God. And now point three also starts with be the right kind. Being. Being the right kind of child. With the security... Of knowing that we'll always be God's child, should come an increased desire to please our Heavenly Father. And as a father, God desires our growth in our relationship with Him. So let's look at some areas that we can specifically please Him in. First one, subpoint A, starts with an O obedience. The fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. A young child does not understand much, but he can and should be taught to obey. Parents who early on teach their children to obey will save both themselves and their children much trouble later. Proverbs contains many admonitions to teach children early. Proverbs 22:15 that one. Uh, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child, in the way he should go, and he is old, he depart Paul instructed children to simply obey their parents. Ephesians 6, 1. Colossians 3.20 Jeremiah 7.23 reveals a particular theme that God continually brings before his children Obey my voice and I will be your God and ye shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you God wants us to obey him for our own good now surely amidst the many stories we may have of times where we disobeyed we also had some times of complete obedience when we obeyed our parents sooner or later we were glad that we did we can rest assured that when we obey God we will be very glad we did sadly many people don't obey their heavenly father by living according to his word. James cautions us against living that way in James one twenty two. but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Don't just hear the word of God, obey the word of God. There's uh, many references that are given for that. As someone once said, it's not how much Bible you learn, it's how much Bible you live. You and I may be a sad sermon illustration someday if we don't simply live what we know. This is an interesting quote here from the pulpit commentary. It says, knowledge without obedience only increases condemnation. Knowledge without obedience only increases condemnation. In other words, we're responsible for what we know we have the truth we read it in god's word and we hear it preached and taught at church we have no excuse then for failing to live by the truth as we've mentioned before hearing the word of god and not obeying it is like a man looking at himself in a mirror seeing what needs to be done but turning his back and walking away without making any of those changes that's in james 1 23 24. In contrast to the man who turns his back on the truth, the very next verse, verse 20, I think it would be verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The blessed man is the one who hears the word of God and lives by it. When we consider the blessings that God has promised for obedience and the consequences He's promised for disobedience, joyfully obeying our loving Heavenly Father is really the only desirable option that we have. Point subpoint B. It starts with an F. We had obedience, and now it starts with an F. Faithfulness. As God's children, we owe Him our faithfulness and our devotion. God is an ever-faithful father to us. 2 Timothy 2.13, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Twice in 1 Corinthians, Paul reminded us that God is faithful. It's in 1 Corinthians 1.9 and then in 10.13. The motto of the U.S. Marine Corps, Semper Fidelis, perfectly captures God's faithfulness to us. Anybody know what that means? As Christians, we should strive to live by that motto as well. Always faithful to our Heavenly Father. So in conclusion, again, we kind of saw that in the salutation of most of Paul's epistles, he mentions God our Father. And no matter what may have been the main subject, he wanted them to know that and that relationship there. So living in the light of that close relationship allows everything else to fall into place, and we should strive to be the right kind of children in order to be the fulfilled Christians that God wants us to be. Just look at some questions. Um, I think we have some time to, to look at these tonight. First one is, how do we become a child of God? born again the sin realizing we're sinners and condemned Christ and what he's done putting our faith in him for that on our account number two who's included in this invitation for salvation everyone whosoever will what are four benefits that we're given as a child of God family name and inheritance. Get a home and protection. So what are two responsi- what two responsibilities should we fill to be the right kind of child? Obedience and faithful. A benefit and a responsibility. Of, of being a child of God is carrying the name Christian again. It says, are there any ways that you've dishonored the father's reputation? If so, how can you make it right? Again, questions to, uh, to ask yourself. How does eternal security tie in to God's promise of a home in heaven? It's his fulfillment of his promise of. A home in heaven it can't be taken away. I tell that the idea of like of a blood relationship that that can't be broken. Describe the difference between being a hearer of the word and a doer. It's knowledge without obedience increases condemnation. yep so kind of a a neat lesson with thinking about different things tonight. Anything stood out to anybody in particular? Anything else? The thing that kind of stood out to me, again, of course, that whole thing about um, thinking of eternal security, but just some of the ways of thinking about that as being a child of God. Again, you're never not a child. Once you're a child of your parents, you're never not a child of your parents, no matter what you do or where you go. And then the idea of, yeah, like a blood relationship can't be broken and then being born into a family you can't ever be unborn there then um, that idea of knowledge without obedience just increases condemnation and that should be a challenge to all of us especially those of us know who've grown up in a good church and had the privilege of having parents who put us there that that knowledge without obedience just increases condemnation. That uh, uh, unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. Any other thoughts? Anybody tonight? Benefits. Rather convicting. Last call before we close. Okay, let's pray. Lord I thank you for the lesson this evening, just being able to look at just just some neat things in your word about being um, about being your child and you as our heavenly father. And thank you for that. And then just the um one, just the benefits again as we saw that um, that we have, and then our duty, then, that we have to obey and to be faithful, and then, of course, just how we become your child through your sacrifice for us, and um, help us just to remember that, um, as, as was brought out and mentioned, know that, that you daily you load us with benefits. There's so much that you've given to us. Um, your blessings, as it says in another psalm, if we should count them, they're more in number than the sand. Um, it's so easy to lose sight of that and get inward and selfish focused, Lord. But just help us to remember this week and that we would obey and be faithful and um, not just not. Doesn't matter how much Bible we learn; it's how much we live in that. He'll be with us this week. And then he has another opportunity to, with VBS to, um, to influence and, and be a good example in some young lives and hopefully affect them. For eternity and point them to you be with us as we go to our homes and bring us back safely again then on Wednesday in Jesus name Amen